We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Best Ball Banana Stand, a weekly show where I, Peter Overzet, and Sean Siegel, we hop in a Best Ball Mania 4 draft, and we try to win $3 million. Sean, it's insane how fast this summer has gone, and now we are getting some true shakeups in the ADP landscape thanks to some of these free agent signings. How are you feeling headed into our draft today? Good, good. It's, I mean, it's been... A crazy week and so much fun. I've been reading Pat's fantastic work on the tight ends as I prepare for our FFPC main event that you just mentioned there. I've also been looking at some other elements there, Pete, that are a little unsettling. I don't know if you have followed the Apex Experts draft, the awesome format that Mike Brody runs, but I, I, I drafted five running backs in the first seven rounds and <laughs> in no point there was a different wide receiver really that much of an option because the point gaps were so extreme. And so, you know, we'll talk more about that tomorrow night and how it might work into what we have to do. But I mean, that's one of the things that's made 2023 so much fun and it's going to make 2024 fun as well. Ben and I just finished our projecting the first round of 2024 redraft leagues over on ceiling bananas, which is always you know, one of the most fun things we do. So anyway, just again, things flying fast and furious. And I mean, this has been, this has been awesome. I can't wait to, to see what we get today. I know I I've been looking forward to this one. I know a lot of people are interested to get some of your updated thoughts on Ramondre and Brees Hall, two guys who have been, you know, priority targets for us throughout drafting season. I'm sure we will hit on that in the draft. And yeah, I got to give a shout out to that episode. I listened to that last night. Um, as Sean mentioned, Gretch and Sean do an exercise where they look into the future for ADP for next year. So it's kind of like a combination of kind of like a dynasty lens, but also how can you apply it? to this year. And I think one of the reasons that exercise is so helpful, it's also one thing you've ingrained in me on these shows of like, when you draft these players, you're always asking yourself, 
Could this player be a first or second round pick next year? Can they wildly outperform their draft costs? Or are you just hoping that they can hit their ceiling and pay off that cost? And I think it's such a valuable lens, especially for these tournament formats where it's like their production weeks 14 through 17, it's going to determine where they go in drafts next year. And I, I think it's really helpful when we're drafting these tournament teams. It's been helpful for me. And it's just so much fun. You're going to miss sometimes, obviously, when you're projecting next year's first round ADP. But one of the things that did jump out to us was that a lot of the landmines, a lot of the veterans who fell out were guys that we had projected to fall out. And so, you know, being aware of the risks and how you can miss if you feel like you're taking the safe play, right? You feel like, oh, I don't want to lose my draft in the first round, in the second round, but you end up doing it because you don't go after it enough. That's one of the things that just always comes through for me. And occasionally, Pete, I do draft some more conservative teams just to make sure that I'm not missing on something that would help my process those teams do have the worst results well sean you are my lucky charm because i've been uh running very poor with draft slots but not today not today sean and i are going to be drafting from the one two um which is a fun spot considering you and gretch were kind of talking about how will justin jefferson and jamar chase be ordered next year in drafts it would appear Sean, we will get one of those guys here unless you got something truly galaxy brain up your sleeve. But I would really prefer to boost my Jefferson and Chase exposure right now. <laughs> well, you're, uh, you are a little under there on Jefferson. You got to get the 101. I feel like a few of those are us. And so mm. you know, if, if Jefferson hits, you and I will win together. So Jefferson does go, so we will stay underweight there. But any day where you get to select Jamar Chase feels like a good day. Is that correct? That is. And in your, you know, I don't want to give away too much from the episode, but you do have Jamar Chase flipping Jefferson in your 2024 redraft crystal ball uh, ranks. Let Give the people a quick little tease on, on why you think that might happen. Yeah, I feel like I had a, a, a perfect explanation for it in the show. A lot of it was just for fun. But you, you have this situation here where I think we already got a little bit of a taste of Jordan Addison and what he can potentially do. I mean, he looked so smooth in the handful of plays that he gets in that preseason game. I actually have almost zero Addison because I think it's tough for him to command the type of volume that it would take to pay off his ADP and to give you that chance to you know, outperform by three, four rounds. When you have a Justin Jefferson, when you have a TJ Hawkinson there, and yet there's also this... I mean, there's this risk that he just plays so well that it knocks Jefferson just enough. Now, with Jefferson, we're talking about him you know, sliding down to the 102. So it's not anything yeah. where Jefferson's going to fall apart. But Chase, I mean, he's done some of these things, you know, with obviously T. Higgins there, you know, with Tyler Boyd still in the mix a little bit, which you could see that fall out a little bit more. You could see Joe Burrow take the next step with Chase this season. And Chase hasn't been that healthy either. It's interesting that... Chase actually hit, I would say, like a very middle-of-the-road type of outcome for him last year. And last year, this time, people were really skeptical about kind of the 5-6 price on him. And yet, having just a kind of a Jamar Chase-ish, almost disappointing season last year, he jumps up to the 102. Imagine what will happen for him, you know, if he has the kind of season that we all know is going to happen at some point in these next three or four years. So I assume some people might be saying, well, you know, if Justin Jefferson has to deal with Jordan Addison. Doesn't Jamar Chase have to deal with T Higgins? Is it the kind of like Kirk Cousins versus Joe Burrow thing is where that really starts to, to tip the scales there? And I think especially when you're looking to 2024, we could see 
some of those gaps widen even a little bit more. Now, yeah. one of the things Ben pointed out is that you might have the Bengals pass a little bit less versus you know, what game environment would suggest. And if that happens, then, I mean, T. Higgins is just so good. So that's obviously always going to be an issue. But I kind of look at their running back situation now. I The ADP for Joe Mixon just shocks me. And so yeah. you look at that, you look at what they're dealing with, you look at the just absolute star power they have in the passing game, and you look at how the Chiefs and the Bills have just very clearly demonstrated the blueprint for you know putting yourself in the mix, getting that one or two seed, you know, then going and winning a Super Bowl. I mean, the Bengals obviously have been to the Super Bowl as well, but I mean, those three teams are going to be competing to get that by, put themselves in the best mix, and the way to do it is very clear. It's not through Joe Mixon. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. Pat and I were just talking to like what other shoes to drop could we see? You know, could they be a team that signs a Leonard Fournette? Will we get any clarity on these backup running backs? Travion Williams been a little bit banged up. Um, it's uh, what is it? Chris Evans is the guy who's actually making noise right now at camp. It's interesting because both the Bengals and the Eagles are trying to like pull us back in to last <laughs> yeah. year's plays. And so, I mean, obviously the Gainwell one is a little bit stronger than the Evans one, but you, know, you look at what we got with Miles Sanders last year after, I mean, I wrote a ton last year about how Kenny Gainwell was this perfect zero RB pick. And then you get Miles Sanders as the league winner. That's something we want to at least keep in the back of our minds when we're thinking about, you know, fading Swift and obviously Penny. So we're about to be on the clock here at 2.11. If you guys are watching the video version of this on my YouTube channel, we do have Sean's ranks uh, pulled in. It's been nice, Sean, sending over up-to-date ranks there to help us capture all of the latest news. I do see T. Higgins here if we want to play this through the uh, both Bengals, or are there any other angles that you think make sense for this team? Jonathan Taylor here is is hard to pass as well. For me, it would be kind of your preference on how you want to build out your teams when you have chase. Yeah, I don't I don't mind pushing it um a little bit here. I have a feeling at least one of Higgins or Taylor's not making it back and you know, I I haven't been a huge fan of the, the you know, the premium double stacks and Joe Burrow is actually going a little earlier now where he was kind of a bankable thing at the four or five turn. If you had cornered the market in some of these drafts without the badges, people will just grab Joe Burrow on stack. So that, um, you know, kind of pushes me to doing Taylor who we do select. And then we see Higgins and Mark Andrews come off the board, puts us back on the clock here at three, two, um, lots of interesting decisions here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Debo and Keenan, this is ahead of ADP, but they are, I think, the best plays. You can possibly you know, play both of them in a cheaper way. I do think that Stevenson, if anything, maybe benefits <laughs> from what happened in the last couple of days. So I'm very good with him as well. Okay. Uh, did I get it in in time? I went ahead and slid uh, Stevenson up at the last second there. You know, I'm doing the classic thing, trying to get uh, a read on you uh, there. Went ahead and got Stevenson. So we have the JT Stevenson with uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, talk, talk about Stevenson. Obviously, that's going to be a spicy take saying that he benefits um, from this. Is this just a, a Zeke is washed and it could have been you know, tougher competition, like a guy like Leonard Fournette coming in and stealing some of his pass down work. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a lot worse because at one point, not too recently, I'm kind of guessing not in the last couple of days, I wasn't following that, but the Patriots were the favorite to sign Dalvin cook, which I mean, I think that would be much harder for Stevenson than it would be 
for Brees. And then I think Fournette would also be a lot harder because you still have a guy who can be a little bit of a three down back. It's almost extraordinary just how bad Ezekiel Elliott has been. When we talk about him being washed, it's one of these things where I think people are like, yeah, but I mean, there's a little bit of bounce back possibility. Obviously, they paid him and they're going to want to play him and all those types of things. But the key point there, I think, is that he hasn't just been bad last year. It, as someone who's been kind of writing about this in the zero RB watch list through the seasons and all that type of thing where you're looking week to week even what's happening and what Tony Pollard is going to do and those types of things. Ezekiel Elliott posted a just astonishing minus 43 fantasy points over expectation back in 2020. And then 2021, he had the lowest evasion rate of any back with 150 plus carries. And then last year, obviously, he has 3.8 yards per carry and his receiving value completely evaporates. So we're talking like a three-year span where he's been absolutely awful. It's not like this was something that happened at one point you know, late last season and suddenly it's like oh well maybe that's non-representative he's been bad for a really long time this is a strange move by the patriots it's certainly one where i think it has a lot more in the way of repercussions for uh last round pierre strong than it does for stevenson it's definitely a case here and i wasn't really even planning to write about these signings but then as i was putting together again our sort of our main event research and thinking through some of this stuff I was like oh i've got a couple of quick thoughts that i'll throw out there and and one of the points that i do think is important is that you do lose a little bit of ceiling with these signings you're not going to probably fall into this situation where coaches make probably a bad decision for their players and just run them into the ground which if you can get that kind of a season you think about some of the things with todd Gurley or Le'Veon bell i mean there was a, a peak Le'Veon bell season where his number of touches were pretty insane Certainly you get that with Derrick Henry and he's actually been able to manage it, which you know you don't normally see, but you're looking for that type of outcome to get this, you know, 25, 26 fantasy points per game type of year. You're probably not going to get that now, but I don't think it changes the kind of median healthy outcome for these guys hardly at all. Basically what you're talking about is the secondary touches and hopefully the low value touches are going to be soaked up now by these signings instead of, the backups who frankly were more interesting players now Dalvin Cook's still very good I you know wrote an article about how he was still much better than Alexander Madison last year I think that that is something you have to keep in mind with Brees Hall but I mean even someone like uh Abanikanda would have been an interesting piece and someone who could have emerged in the second half of the season and taken a lot of that volume that they're just not going to give Brees Hall anyway yeah so from that perspective I don't know that again we're, we're losing a ton other than you know, we're, we're getting even better prices. I was shocked at how much just looking at specifically FFPC drafts yesterday, like yeah. how far those two guys had fallen. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to bounce back a little bit once people have a chance to really digest it. But, you know, it, it's it was a gut punch in some ways. There's no no way to get around that. And yet at the same time, I don't think it's that big a deal. That's what I was confused by. I, you know, it was not that it's saying that this doesn't change anything because it's it's literally going to change projections, specifically maybe even usage at the beginning of the season. But what was confusing to me is I assumed the ADPs of these guys were already baking in this signing. Like, I don't think anyone thought, I mean, we've had the Dalvin Cook rumors, the Leonard Fournette, like New England hosting all of these running backs. We've had that for months now. Same with the Jets. Like the Cook to Jets rumors have been there and the ADPs were suppressed accordingly. 
to where if you removed those things, those guys would have been late second round picks, I think for all of drafting season. And so that's what I was confused is like, why are we double counting this thing that we've already in a pretty efficient way accounted for in the suppressed ADPs, acknowledging that risk. And I think one of the things too, I know are the guys over at ETR do this they even in their projections, they had accounted in the Patriots for free agent signing. They had given a chunk of that in their base projections and they still had Ramondre Stevenson up where they had. So it's like, this has all been accounted for. Those ranks drive a lot of ADP on the site too. It's all baked in. Why are we double counting things now? It, it really was pretty shocking. I was on the clock uh, with Eric Hove when some of this stuff transpired well, we had a, a like a 310 and we we're coming back around for a 4-3 and we're trying to decide between hall and jacobs and one of the things that he's saying there is that you know hall actually should probably be moving up now that we know that he's practicing and he's you know more or less good to go so yeah, Sean, I was really hoping we could uh, get the fun, hyper-fragile builds from the 4.11. Brees Hall falling all the way to 4.11. Does not happen. He goes 4.8. Um, pretty insane value there. We're about to be on the clock at 4.11. I did just check my best ball hub over on Fantasy Life. I have... Um, we could talk about my my chase teams that have these guys, but uh, JSN staring at me. I never say no to JSN. Have also been trying to get some more Justin Fields. What do you think the play is here? Yeah, let's let's grab a little Fields. All right, let's do Fields here. Um, and uh, yeah, I checked the hub, and I have I have on my Jamar Chase teams. I have one that has Ramondre. And I have one that has Jonathan Taylor and they both have T Higgins with it. So now we cut out T Higgins and we get both of those guys on the board there together. We're about to pick at five, two here, the team through four rounds, Justin Fields, Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson and Jamar chase all alpha plays only. What do you think the play is here at uh, the five, two here, depending on what uh Pibus wrinkle does. I, it's, it's tough to pass on jsn i don't want to uh you know sound like a completely insane person but i did have him in my 2024 first round projection yes that one it was such a hot take sean that you know i have the deposit kingdom discord we got lots of channels um there's a general channel you know which is normally not used that much because there's no specific thing and people were talking specifically about your jsn ranking in that general channel. So it has made some waves there. Uh, Sean, of course, have been extremely bullish on JSN here. And, you know, we're, people got shocked when we took him in the fourth round early in drafting season. The fact that we did push him to the early fifth. I mean, now, now we're just really uh, showing some restraint, I'd like to think. Yeah, I mean, Justin Fields in the fourth was only so that we could say that he didn't <laughs> reach too far on JSN. That's right. Um yeah, I mean, it, it has there been, because with some of these guys, right, like, I do know that you are, and I kind of want to get your macro thoughts on how you are processing preseason, because there's been a lot of push-pull over reactions, perhaps underreactions. How do you think about preseason as it is impacting? Like, when you send me over that updated batch of ranks, how much has preseason stuff, you know, dictated some of those shifts for you? It makes a it can move some guys in a meaningful way at the very back. And one of the things to keep in mind, and I, I kind of do this from time to time to make sure that I stay kind of calibrated on how much impact you're going to get from players in the double digit rounds, go through even on the teams that 
you know, are winning titles and in the mix for tournaments and all of that. And you see that the double digit round players have mostly made a minimal impact. When you do get those impacts, then they really carry your team. So it's not like we're expecting massive amounts of production, but even though you want to be aware that those plays in most cases are not going to be things that really shift around your rosters. You want to think about your first 10 rounds, you know, structurally too, as you know, what am I doing here to make sure that this works? But you also want to be very intentional about how you're filling out those last four or five picks. If you don't have a process, if you don't have names that are, that mean something to you in terms of not only what those guys are and what you think they are now based on new information, but how, they work within the context of the rest of your roster, then you are giving away an advantage that matters. At the same time, I think that especially as we have so many teams doing different types of things that we, uh, we just have to be pretty conservative with it. Now, one of the things I did enjoy, I haven't done it this year yet. I don't know if I'm going to have time to, but the bold predictions article that I did after last year's week one had hmm. two or three pretty cool things in it. And so I, I think it's, it's both right. You, you sometimes, People don't react enough. Big picture, you want to be somewhat conservative. I've been trying to catch as much of those as possible. I'm writing frantically. I uh, really enjoyed Ben's preseason stealing signals post talking about some of the you know most relevant things that happened in those preseason games. A lot of little things to keep track of. I don't think there have been too many things actually, though, from this year's week one that changed my board in a meaningful way. Yeah. And I think rookies are probably the most interesting, right? Because we have the least amount of data uh, on them. You know, we're flying blind. The only true data point we have is where these teams selected them in the draft, at least signaling intent, how they view these guys. But then it doesn't necessarily mean that the teams are going to load them up with a ton of work. And I think, you know, with your drafting style and in mind by proxy of really targeting these young players, it is interesting to see how much do you wait, you know, uh, okay, Devon A. Chain comes in, you know, after Miles Gaskin, but then they're using him on a slant route and you're like, holy cow, I love that kind of usage. So it's like, is it, how do you apply those things? Like, hey, he's buried or, oh man, they have really exciting, unique ways to use this guy. And that's where just trying to understand what the incentives are for each individual team to not bring some of these guys along too quickly. In a lot of the situations, it's not a matter of what order you played in the game, but what teammates they needed to have you in with in order to do to work on the things they wanted to work on. And so if you don't take it on a very team-by-team -team basis, then some of those takeaways can be incorrect. Obviously, the stuff with A-Chain was positive. One of my biggest takeaways from the signings is that I am now very much on board with Mostert and Wilson. <laughs> and so... From that perspective, I love all of the uh, exposure that you have to those two guys. Yeah, that one that one felt uh, pretty good uh, to dodge that Dalvin Cook bullet with those guys. And uh, they still haven't moved up a ton um, in drafts. Sean, we are on the clock here at 610. We do see Pickens come off the board. So no Pickens, JSN, Week 17 stack for us. We got Goddard, Jahan Dotson, Williams, James Cook. Who do you think the play is here at 611? I've been having a hard time passing up on Williams and Cook. So probably one of those two guys. Okay, let's do uh let's start with Javante Williams here. Sean, not afraid of the wide receiver avalanche, a man willing to draft five running backs through seven rounds in the Apex wide receiver heavy league. Um, Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers snap come off the board. 
I mean, are, are you grabbing Cook here uh, and we're getting really creative with wide receiver? I, I You got to get us out of this avalanche if we go Cook. What do you think? I think it's either way. I mean, Dotson is such a clear pick, but we didn't get our 49ers in this draft. And so if mm-hmm. we're thinking about it from that perspective, it's not as imperative as it usually is. Let's take Cook and see what happens. Okay, this is, you know, Sean, the, here's what I would say. I, I want to be the one saying, let's take Cook and see what happens. You're supposed to be the one that has this master plan of how we are going to make this work. So you saying, let's see what happens, is not instilling me with the confidence that uh, a man who uh, has gotten buried by many avalanches in his day uh, likes to hear. There are always some hilarious names late in the draft at wide receivers. So, so we're... I. We talked about this a lot, a little bit in the last couple of shows, but I think we can feel a lot more comfortable in some of those late names. And we don't want to give them away at this point, but I'm excited to see how it works. And one of the things that you have to do is to draft some teams like this. And one of the reasons why I was doing it in the Apex draft also is you want to work through what the implications really are going to be and what the trade-offs are. Now, you know, obviously, in your case, you're much of the way through your journey, but you still have these very high value drafts late where a lot of the research suggests that you have your best chance to win. And mm-hmm. working with some of the things that we're seeing here at running back is going to give you important information that I think that just gaming it and not actually doing it is, is not the same. And so yeah. I'm excited to see what we have here. And one of the things we have Justin Fields as well. And so we have this potential opportunity to win the whole thing through our quarterback, which we haven't had in some of the drafts that we've done. And in some ways, this is kind of a dry run too for the draft tomorrow night. If we end up with some running backs, how do you make that wide receiver element work? Now the two formats are very, very, very different. And so that portion of it factors into how you want to play running back versus wide receiver as well. But especially after a week of preseason, I think it's going to be fun here to see what we get at wide receiver. Yeah. And you know, we're going to, we're definitely going to find ourselves in tough spots, but um, I do also, you know, talk about the different types of like combos and the different ways you build out teams and i do think it is really fun to have some of these builds where you're still getting your guys it's kind of the whole thing where i've referenced it before hayden winks on underdog did a um an article where he showed that robust rb drafters draft one way and draft the same types of players zero rb guys draft one way and then draft the same type of players where you draft like the other cohort but then still get your guys and still build through the archetypes you like. And as being a really unique way to get on guys. So an example last year would be you do a zero RB build, but you take Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders and guys you're not taking normally, um, but you're getting the structural benefits. And then lo and behold, you kind of uh, nail that. So this is fun. I think we're going to have, you know, we got our four running backs here. Um, hard to discount the upside of a JT, Ramondre, Javante Williams, James Cook team. And uh, and now we're going to have to see which uh, wide receiver sleepers you've been unearthing in your in your research lately, Sean. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be fantastic. Where are – so we had Pitts go two spots before us, and that yes. was the pick that I think was really unfortunate for us because if he had right. made it – to the 611 that would have been perfect with just our overall build certainly with justin fields 
if we could change something that obviously wasn't you know our own pick that would be what i would love to have a little bit different here to make this team better going forward yeah i mean you know sean talking about the 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 week 17 correlation there with fields i mean the only other way you even get there is like with a mega reach on on drake london because drake london goes at 45 um we weren't taking pits at pick 50 so yeah it's it's tough to to get there in certain pockets when you're trying to build out that game stack. Um, we are on the clock, Sean, the best available wide receiver, Jamison Williams, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, we do have Ingram and Fryermuth at the top of the tight end queue here. What do you think the play is? One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person, it is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets on their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and Use the code RODOVIS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RODOVIS for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go back to the wide receivers and go ahead and take Jamison mm-hmm. to give us that kind of crazy upside. He obviously had a mixed first preseason game there, yeah. but again, demonstrates his ability to get behind defenses like few other receivers in the NFL possibly can. And we think about as well as Goff has played and how defenses have to account for Amon Ra underneath. I mean, you're going to get some long Jamison Williams touchdowns, which I I really try to avoid saying like this guy is better in best ball. I think that's almost always the wrong way to look at it. And yet, mm-hmm. I mean, I do like him for the tournament element here. For sure. Um, 
Let's see what the guy on the turn does here. They grab Antonio Gibson. Um, and this is this is one of those spots here, too, where he goes Herbert, um, so grabs a couple of running backs there. I mean, Fryermuth does give us a little JSN Week 17 there. Uh, wide receiver Dobbs um, is near the top of your ranks, probably not coming back in this room. Um, what do you think the play is? Yeah, let's go with Fryermuth to get opposite JSN. I One of the things that I thought was interesting in reading through Pat's article that also kind of jived with thoughts that I have been having is that it is, I mean, I think that Pat Fryermuth is really good. And I think that he's the guy that we could see get this mm -hmm. next kind of TJ Hawkinson like breakout from, and you're getting prices on that that are fine. I do think, I mean, you're getting all of this coverage of Musgrave with Green Bay and justifiably it does look like he's going to be in a decent situation but the rookie tight end there in Pittsburgh is a problem Darn and I, if he's a problem and you think that Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are having great well it doesn't necessarily matter what people think about it it appears that they're having great training camps and then if you like both of those guys then we suddenly do get into just a, a tricky volume mix for Fryermuth, especially if they stick to this idea of we're going to somehow run the ball now all the reports are that the passing game in camp has been absolutely fantastic and that kenny pickett looks great and i mean i don't really see how you try and it's again like the joe mixon thing it's like are you going to go through Najee harris when you've got this other avenue so I think that we're probably trending in the direction the Steelers have more pass volume and just more overall fantasy points through the passing game that people think. And some of those are going to go to Fryermuth. And I do still think that despite some of the very specific risks with red zone types of things, that Fryermuth is a great touchdown threat for them. So I like him. I have, but I probably don't have quite as much exposure to him as I would otherwise because there are some of those risks out there that I think are going to make it more difficult for him to outperform by three or four rounds. And so we talk about, you know, who's going to really jump. And I mean, Jamison Williams, even though you only get the production for a partial portion of the season, I mean, he's an obvious guy where if he goes in round four next year, it will have still helped you this season. As long as the rest of your build works. Now you can say, you know, you probably want him when you have an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. You don't need that early production yet. I mean, that's one of the things, too, where I try and think about it from a contrarian perspective, at least a little bit, to where it's like, when are you going to actually need him now? You're going to actually need him on these teams where maybe you're able to get to that point because your running backs are so good, because Justin Fields is so good. But if you want to then win the tournament and you've got to fill those three wide receiver spots, you need somebody who is discounted to what they're going to do in the tournament or could do. For Jamison Williams, it's not just that he's suspended. I mean, he's been bad. So yeah. we're, we're kind of thinking back to a lot of the stuff that he did that last year in college and then those flashes where you see greatness. Well, to add insult to injury, uh, been getting sent this tweet. Lions wide receiver Jamison Williams, this is literally from like 15 minutes ago, left practice to enter the locker room early after hurting his leg in a mid-stride on a deep ball route. He was grabbing the right hamstring area. I mean, at least he has six weeks, six-plus weeks to rest up, but – it, it just seems like a cursed, a cursed player at this point, Sean. Nothing could go right for Jamison Williams. 
And I, it was funny because that, that was the thing that was popping up as the news as we were selecting him as well. And I was thinking, eh, I mean, if you can't heal between now and the time you're not suspended anymore, then. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the thesis of the play was always that the suspension would give him enough time to get his hamstring, uh, to get his hamstring better here. Um, but yeah, Is I, I going to give him enough sure. time to get his hands better. It, yes. The please, please just what all, all the rehab, if you can do half rehab, half working on the jugs machine, uh, I think that would be great. And I will say, Sean, you didn't that I thought you were going to give me like the raw, raw pump up speech about Pat Fryermuth uh, at pick 98. And instead, you just kind of built the case against him. So, you know, we, we got our work cut out for us in this draft, Sean. Well, you, you want to go in knowing what some of the downsides are. But it was the right pick there in terms of what we needed to have happen. It'll be interesting to see how the wide receivers work through this next little area. As you mentioned, there are some people who could come back, who might not come back. What are you thinking in terms of wide receiver reaches at this point, what we need to do relative to ADP, what you're seeing in this draft compared to a lot of the drafts that you do? Yeah, like Pat and I found us ourselves in a similar spot, not quite as extreme in our last draft where we only had four wide receivers through 10 or 11 rounds. And we did end up reaching um, for, uh, you know, Marvin Mims at one point where it looked like a pretty flat tier. We were debating between Rashi Rice and him. And so, yeah, I think we will just end up in that spot where we are needing to reach a little bit just to make sure we're still getting the targets the of players that we like and not just you know shrugging our shoulders and, and clicking whatever wide receivers are available. So I think we can make this work. We'll see what Friar Betts does here. Tyler Boyd goes off at 111. Nico Collins at 115. But this has been a pretty heavy running back room. And, and Dobbs, who I said wasn't going to make it back, he does make it all the way back here and th that seems like a godsend for this team, uh, unless there's something else you say. No, I, I think that's the way to play. I mean, he was the guy I was going to say we should take with the last pick. And then I'm like, you know, Maybe. have some guts. Maybe pass it. Take the tight end that makes sense. Don't do the reach. Sometimes you get lucky. We got lucky. We did. You know what? Better better lucky than good here. Um, you know, some interesting guys at the top of the queue here, or sorry, at the top of your ranks. So, you know, Daniel Jones, we don't have any stacks, but he is a guy that gives you avenues to a lot of late wide receivers. Um, Jalen Warren, who further builds out our Pittsburgh uh, bet here. Uh, we see Marvin Bims, his ears were burning. I have a feeling Pivus Wrinkle might be watching this stream, Sean, as he goes at 120. Um I do am noticing you're uh, you pushed up Kenny Gainwell pretty far in your ranks. And then I would also say on a team like this, um, Jacoby Myers could make a ton of sense. I'm not even going to like rewrite the Gainwell portion for my zero RB candidates. I'm just going to take last year's <laughs> words, word for word, put it in there. No, I, I think Jacoby Myers is, uh, again, the perfect type of player for this team and really kind of a lucky guy to get here. I think we drafted him on a few of these teams. I always mention him as he's not a priority target for me, but he is the guy in this range who I think from a full community perspective, uh, there aren't too many players that I feel like I'm not like that high on. They're not mm -hmm. priority targets for me and yet also seem really undervalued. And I guess, I guess I don't, I mean, I, I love Marvin Mims. I've always loved Tyler Boyd. I would be really happy for Houston if their passing game panned out. I think that Stroud 
probably is a little bit underrated, even though you know he goes super early in the draft. People have high expectations for him. But I guess I don't understand how those three guys go ahead of Myers. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, specifically the drafters who picked him in this room, but just like from a full community perspective, yeah. why would Jacoby Myers, who has all of these great peripherals, is coveted by the coach that he's going to, is going into a situation where he fits what Jimmy Garoppolo does. You know, it's going to have Devontae Adams to draw all of the defensive attention. I mean, you're looking at the possibility for Myers to be kind of the, not really like the 1B, but just the 2 that we've seen in that Patriots passing game, you know, through the last couple of decades, that sometimes the possession threat in that offense puts up just gaudy, gaudy totals. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Tom Brady. And yet when he's given a functional offense and decent pieces, his numbers actually compare with some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Again, you would say he's a system kind of guy and he's being buoyed by his coaching and his weapons, but he, is actually going into a situation where the coaching is probably going to be good. The weapons are probably going to be good. And so when, when I need a wide receiver pick, I think Myers just is such a great option for you there. Yeah. And I was going to say, I assume part of it too, because I know you have a big fade position on Devonte Adams. I assume this is also a little bit of a way for you to kind of compound that fade as far as like, Hey, if I, if I want to invest in the Raiders, I'd rather do it through, you know, Jacoby Myers at 122 than Devonte Adams at pick 13. Right. And there's, it's in no way, shape or form suggesting, I think those two players will score similarly, or I think that they're similar talents or anything to that effect, but you are getting just such a massive gap between the two guys. And if there is risk for Adams, and if some of that comes from Myers, then like you say, those two plays do kind of work in a connected yep. fashion. So to recap the team here through, uh, how many rounds are we through? Uh, 11 rounds. We got Justin Fields at quarterback, uh, our running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, Javante Williams, and James Cook. Uh, the uh, so Those might be, I don't know, four of your most favorite uh, running backs in the league there. We got them all on the same team. Wide receiver, Jamar Chase, JSN, Jameson Williams, Romeo Dobbs, Jacoby Myers. So, um, you know, Jamison Williams can't expect any early season production from him, but I think in Romeo Dobbs and Myers, we are banking some early season targets, which I know is going to be helpful on this team. And then tight end Pat Fryermuth. Um, it feels like we could have gotten in, in a much more precarious spot than we did. The Dobbs and Myers there. I'm I'm exhaling a little bit, Sean. I you know the 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 avalanche was coming, but we've carved out just a small shelter. It's still a little precariously positioned here on the side of the slopes, but we're going to be okay for a little bit. I, I, again, I'm just kind of shocked that Dobbs got to that point. He <laughs> he dropped in the RV Triflex Dynasty startup that I'm doing as well. And then to get a guy that hopefully will will get in the 17th or 18th round today, I absurdly traded out of the pick that I could have used on him and ended up having to take a Josh Downs, which is sort of an interesting play for the future, but a pretty huge gap between those two guys this year. I mean, we talk about not overvaluing the first preseason game. And I guess one of the things that's great is that just the fact that Dobbs kind of flashes again there hasn't seemed to move him necessarily a ton and you were getting all of the offseason stuff about Dobbs and love having this great rapport and then you have the early training camp stuff where Christian Watson is unstoppable and you're thinking well I mean that does ding the Dobbs thesis but we're kind of back to where they're saying I mean both of these guys are thriving now you do have some reports too 
from maybe some more neutral observers saying love actually doesn't look very good. So there are a lot of different pieces to work with there. But yeah, I mean, I love Kenny Dobbs at that price. So we're about to pick here at the end of the 12th round here, a one, four, five, one build. Um, definitely going to be a kind of a running back tight end portion of the draft as far as kind of like the ADP values and also the ranks here. We did uh, miss out on Darnell Mooney. He was at pick 132. I don't think we were ever going to take him over a Dobbs or Myers. He probably would have been in consideration, though, if those guys were off the board and we were trying to find some kind of correlation tiebreaker there. Roshan does come off the board at 141. He would have been, I think, a fun pick to kind of build out a Bears bet. Um, let's see what Fryer does here. He goes Van Jefferson. Um, a lot of people worried about Rondell Moore. Um, what do you think about him? We also got Cole Komet here. Uh, any leans? Yeah, can can you put Komet in, but then also look at the wide receivers? Yeah. I think Komet is probably the play. I, for Moore, again, I think it's a case of not overreacting, but it's also sort of trying to read the tea leaves about how early – Kyler Murray would come back. We've played that a few times. You know, they're saying obviously he's not going to be ready for week one. But you get these, I mean, he's going to be Adrian Peterson kinds of reports from him and his teammates. Rondell Moore, though, I mean, he's one of these guys who, you know, if he breaks out this season and you're drafting him around six next year, I don't think you're surprised if he's more or less done in the NFL after this year. I don't think you're surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so. It does feel it does feel like that. It does feel like that. What about for him? He's he's a guy too that um he does come back here. Um he we're at least getting a bit of a discount on him, although some people would say that's warranted based on some of the preseason stuff. Do you have anything else that you think makes sense here? Should we grab our sixth wide receiver? Well, do you want to go to five running backs and take the gain well play just kind of leaning into that. I think there are going to be some wide receivers late that we really like. So if you're not set on more, I think we can just stick Let's with. Do, I I want to hear your, I want to hear you talk about Gainwell. So we do select Gainwell uh, here. You've pushed him up in your ranks. His ADP is obviously inching up. You've obviously been very bullish on both DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. Um is are those guys coming down in the ranks for you are or are you just saying hey i want to now make sure i'm getting exposure to all of these guys like how are you thinking about the eagles backfield right now yeah I, I think that you have to be aware of how that could work without getting scared off completely so i think that the prices on swift and penny were very good early to where you could load up now people are saying well if you're dropping them they obviously weren't good because you were wrong but we're talking about all the different ways that this could potentially work out. And still, I think that you are probably more likely to get a Swift or a Penny League winner in the same way that Gainwell was talked up last year and you got Miles Sanders as the league winner. Mm. And yet, sometimes it just takes that extra year. I mentioned in the Zero RB Candidates piece last year that Gainwell had some great peripherals in both the rushing and the passing game that that could make him this high-value touch machine for them. And... They did use him in some spots that made sense that way, but they also removed him from Boston Scott a lot. And you're thinking, well, I mean, the whole thing going into 2022 was can he actually beat out Miles Sanders? And then the relevant thing becomes, you know, can he hold on to this like niche role to where he's not splitting it with Boston Scott? But sometimes the whole thing just takes place a year later. And we know that Swift has the issues with the injuries. We know that Penny has the issues with the injuries. 
every time I look these guys up to write about different things, I'm one of the things I was doing to try and process the free agent signings was to actually make my rank of like the top 50 reality running backs and mm. how even though maybe in some ways that's useless it also sort of informs like how are you thinking through this where do you think the talent actually is do we have these teams that are extremely loaded at running back which obviously do and then you have teams like the Kansas City Chiefs who may, may not have a top 100 running back on their roster and you kind of wish that that was more evenly distributed and yet I mean Swift Penny the what they have done when they're healthy puts them easily in that kind of top 40 range and they're like where would you put kenny gainwell so i think you want to balance those two things but still remember that gainwell himself is not just somebody who's familiar with the offense there are things about the way that he plays as a runner that are impressive and that you can get excited about so i would get some exposure over the next couple of weeks but really what i'm looking for is like where are those prices for swift and penny going to end up and how do we need to play it to load up on them right before the season have have three guys from the same backfield ever made the zero RB target last? I know there's been two. Obviously, last year you had Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker. Uh, could we see three Eagles on the zero RB countdown list? Man, that would be fantastic. I don't know that we've gotten that point. I think I've had a third guy like in the watch list where we talk about yeah. these players who, like, we don't even know if they're going to make the team, but maybe they make the practice squad, then they get promoted. Like, keep an eye on this guy for week five, week six waivers. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles have an embarrassment of Richards in so many ways, as do teams like the 49ers. You know, not surprising. Those teams are the NFC favorites. So we are going to be on the clock here at the 14-15 turn. We have a one five five two build, uh, always getting funky on Wednesdays with Sean. We got Justin Fields holding it down at quarterback. We got JT, Ramondre Stevenson, Javante Williams, James Cook, and Kenneth Gainwell at running back. Wide receiver Jamar Chase, JSN, Jamison Williams, Romeo Dobbs, Jacoby Myers, and then two tight ends there, Fryermuth and Cole Komet. So get Fields stacked up there with his tight end, and we will see what comes back to us here at pick 167. Um, I'm trying to think some of our uh, quarterback options as well. You know, we're going to have some late guys available to us, although guys like Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love come off the board. So that wipes out a couple stacks here. Kyla Murray comes off the board. So we'll have to see kind of what we want to do at our other quarterback spot. Um, Jalen Hyatt, Curtis Samuel here for wide receivers. Um, Kendra Miller has been falling like a rock in drafts. What do you think is the play? Yeah. Can you show the full receiver group there? Yeah. What do you think so, about grabbing some Samuel real quick? Yeah, let's do, let's do Curtis Samuel. Um, I think another guy probably in the same vein as like Dobbs Myers, uh, uh, as who's going to bank us some early season targets at this team, um, which is going to be, they're going to be very much in need of it. I think with this room. And I, I continue to get the impression from everything that they're doing in Washington that manufactured touches for Samuel are going to be, I mean, that was a big part of the first half of 2022. I think it's going to be back in a big way in 2023. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun one too. continue to get good reports about Sam Howell at camp as well, which is, is very encouraging there. Um, the turn uh, grabs Matthew Stafford and we will see what they do here. And then we'll pick at 170 up to a 1562 build here. Um, trying to see anything else. Wide receiver has been uh, pretty wiped out, though. We did draft Jalen Hyatt, and I believe in the 150s last week. He is here at ADP, depending on what Wrinkle does. Um, what do you think the pick is as he takes Kendra Miller? 
What do you want to do positionally? Are, are we set at every position other than <laughs> we need another quarterback and then we need a wide two wide receivers or one? Um, we can talk through that. I think we definitely want at least one more wide receiver. My gut would say two, uh, though. Let's take Devonte Parker here. Okay. Talk about talk about Parker. We had been drafting a ton of Tyquan Thornton together. We aggressively drafted him. Are you now? I take it starting to balance out that position with more Parker. And is, is Thornton undraftable now? How are you treating him? I don't think he's undraftable. And we saw, you know, the catch. <laughs> and as that ball went up, and I see it going to him there, and then he's going to have to make a tough play. It's one of those things again where you're talking about not overvaluing the preseason mm -hmm. and yet I, I do the thing where I you know fast forward through all of these games just to try and watch them all and blitz through them and save as much time as possible so there are often these moments where you're fast forwarding you get to a spot and then you know it's going to jump back so I actually have this paused moment where the ball is up in the air you see it go into Thornton you can see that there's going to be a hole and as you're waiting for the DVR to handle the whole process, you're thinking, catch it, catch it, catch it. <laughs> and so when he goes up and he makes that play, like, oh, well, now he's back in the mix. Now he's back in the mix. No, I mean, I, I think that we've gotten enough encouraging notes about how this offense is working now this year with Mac Jones. And we're back to like, Mac Jones is good. And Mac Jones is going to be, you know, your long-term, um, you know, Jared Goff, Derek Carr type of QB, hopefully with some upside from that particular level. And then you simultaneously have an issue with Thornton probably not showing out. You have now this injury with Mike Gesicki, and you're starting to look at a situation where targets could end up being fairly concentrated. And you also know that Juju Smith-Schuster, I, I know I mentioned it on the show before, his numbers were fine last year, but anybody who watched the Chiefs games knows that, I don't know if there's any, I don't have obviously the, the stat on this, but was there a player who got more of their yardage after Patrick Mahomes had sat in the pocket for 10 seconds than Juju Smith-Schuster? So I think that, again, it's not something where Parker becomes any kind of priority target. But when you're looking for guys who round out some builds like this late, I think you want to have just that little bit of exposure. Yeah, um, we obviously have uh, Ramondre Stevenson and James Cook uh, in that week 17 angle. Also in drafting Curtis Samuel and Devontae Parker, we start to open ourselves up to some backdoor stacks, which we obviously need to think through from a quarterback perspective. You, of course, you got Jimmy Garoppolo kicking around there with uh, Myers as well. But Sean, I think we're I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're recovering here, uh, you know, after the, uh, the tons of detours through 10 rounds, I'm trying to see any other steam that we're noticing from the preseason tank Dell goes here at 177. He's a guy that's been rocketing up draft boards. Um, you know, looking at your ranks when we were on the clock, Gainwell seemed to be a big riser when you were setting it, were there any other guys who made meaningful jumps or, um, or falls backwards? I don't know if it was actually a jump because I had been fairly bullish on him from where we were practice wise. But one of the guys I was hoping we would get on the team is Rasheed Rice. And it seems like everything is fine with Justin Ross. I don't even think that they're necessarily the ones rolled in any way depends on the other. But when you look at some of the things that are happening in camp, you look at some of the usage in the first preseason game, you look at 
I mean, just how, again, it's silly to look at one play and be like, oh, well, now my thesis on this. But, hmm. you know, he catches that wide receiver screen and he looks athletic. And that's the reason that the Chiefs drafted him there above where a lot of people thought that they should have. Because Rasheed Rice is, you know, sort of your, you know, bargain Quentin Johnston type of player. And in the Kansas City passing attack, that could be worth a lot for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I've been I've been surprised he, his ADP hasn't budged. I think one thing I've noticed as I was always trying to do like psychoanalysis on the entire market is the market really hates these super ambiguous situations, whether that's the Giants wide receivers, the Chiefs wide receivers, the Bears running backs, the Dolphins running backs. That even when you get, you know, some some data points that point to maybe there's slightly less ambiguity here, or maybe this is just a spot where the payoff is so big that we should be willing to take on some of that risk. The, the market just does not want to deal with that stuff. And so it has been surprising to me post Kadarius Tony injury that, um, that Rashi rice hasn't moved up more. And even some of these other guys um, as well, just seems like there could be some big windfalls there. Um, let's uh, get on. And the same. And it's, oh, go ahead. It's exactly a, a situation too, where I think, a very specific outcome from last year that's probably not generalizable to all of the guys going forward is deflating the results. If Sky Moore hadn't had such a bad year last year, those other Chiefs receivers would not be so expensive, right? Inexpensive right now. Right. Um, all right, Sean, let's see what we're working with here at 1611, where we are about to pick. Um you know, we could be in the market for our second quarterback here. Probably have to be careful because um, not picking again till 215. If we don't select a second quarterback, um, we're still going to be grabbing wide receiver. Sam Howell does go. Do we want to build out something here with Mac Jones? Yeah, let's take him as a play that is internally consistent with this team and kind of what we're seeing from camp i mean he supposedly has been just fantastic it opened some things up. i i was hoping that we would get sam Howell one more pick i have to, to be honest with yeah. that one but mac jones gives us in some ways a little bit more stability it's interesting to kind of have that superstar in fields where you're really expecting to get his points into the lineup most weeks and yeah. then a situation with jones that maybe play or that maybe plays off that even just a little bit better in terms of balancing some of the you know actual incentives that you have so we could do Hunter Henry as our third tight end if we want to get more of a Mac Jones stuff. I know Gesicki uh, dislocated his shoulder um, recently. Any Anything else seem like a play to you? You could go Michael Mayer if you want to build out the Raiders. What do you think? Well, how about we go Wandale? Okay. Talk Wandale because there is uh, – people are spooked on – Wandell, they they say he might not even play this year. Have have you been reading the New York beats? Do you have any words of calming to Wandale Robinson Nation here? Well, the reason that I didn't, uh, I thought we could potentially pass on Hyatt there in the fifteenth and take someone else, is in part <laughs> because you gave me some real razzing with the pick last week, and then also because I'm back to feeling like Robinson is the way to play this. You and I actually have a ton of Robinson from yeah. early. I don't know. I, I think that there is a lot of, I mean, again, a player with a very wide range of outcomes. I'm surprised to hear you say that because the reports that I have read, which you know could not be the entire picture, has said that he's not very far away. 
And if he's not very far away, if the GM is saying he's not very far away. Yeah. And you're looking at some of the things here where, I don't know, you look at all those passes that Cole Beasley caught. I mean, Wondell Robinson is going to be, I mean, Robinson is going to compete with Darren Waller to be the catch leader for the Giants, you know, if he's good to go by week four or five. And so if that's the case, then, I mean, you're talking about a guy who should be going in round 10. Not that he should be going in round 10, what we know, but in terms of if you get that scenario, then round 10 is kind of the, the floor of what he would give you. He's another play where I think that we can make it through the first month to six weeks with the guys like Parker and Samuel and Myers to balance out those couple early shots we took at receiver. I like having Jamison and Wandale as guys who – when we're talking about winning the tournament at the end with those running backs that we have with Justin Fields, I think that he's a, a player who, you know, may not be on too many good rosters and also gives you that upside that you need. You talk about, and it'd be interesting to hear whether you think that he actually fits this or not, but you were talking about drafting like a robust, drafting a robust running back team, but doing it like you're drafting zero RB. Yeah, no, my only concern would be if, if he isn't ready for the start of the season, we are, we're already behind at wide receiver. We have a guy in Jamison Williams who isn't going to be there for us. Can we weather that storm without having the production from those guys? Maybe JSN gets over to a slow start. Can we hang around with Chase Dobbs, Myers, and Samuels? Is that enough would be my question. We do go with Parker there, and maybe we tack on another wide receiver. It is interesting. I did just a quick Google search, a quick Twitter search, and there's like no reporting about Wandell Robinson right now, like nothing out there from, from anyone. So, uh, yeah, he, he definitely is like the double whammy, right. Of like, people don't like the ambiguity of the situation. The giants seem to sign a slot wide receiver every other day, uh, in the off season. And then on top of it, you have the injury concern. So if he, is that guy i mean he's he's free in draft sean like he we would have been able to get him at 215 not saying that we shouldn't have taken him but he is a guy that no one wants to touch right now um which could definitely provide an edge if you if you got the stomach for it yeah and and that's one of the things about doing the stream and not being able to spoil some of the picks early if you were very confident that he would come back then we definitely should have gone with hunter henry there with the other pick and make that move we're going to be down to the very end here one of the things i'm not that concerned with having the eight wide receivers and mm. if you're loaded up the data shows that you can go with six right so if yeah. you have some interesting guys and you are to eight i like taking the really wide range players but we could go with another receiver at this point as you mentioned if you don't like the tight end options i think that you know mcbride there is always interesting. We also have the play that we can use there with you like maybe Clay the one Poole? name I wouldn't say. Are we are we on the clock here? We're on the clock. Yeah. So Claypool seems like a pretty good way to to kind yeah. of push that out. What's crazy is I've been seeing Chase Claypool go kind of even unstacked, you know, in the late 190s, um, people getting excited about him. So to be able to complete the double stack with Justin Fields on a wide receiver kind of needy team here at pick 215, that feels uh, like a pretty good click there. And then it just goes back to like, I think if I would have thought through it too, it's like, oh, maybe you take Claypool first and then Wandell with the last pick, but then it doesn't even matter um, because they both end up being available. So I don't know, Sean, I think we... 
I think we kind of stuck the landing a little bit here. It was a circuitous, circuitous route, but 2592 build. Um, how do you feel about how we rounded this one out? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think that it's really easy. I've probably been more optimistic about our receivers than you have. Mm. And yet I do always want to note that it's really easy to think, okay, well, we've addressed this with volume. And really all that you've done is add a bunch of receivers who never score in a way that helps you or don't do it nearly often enough to advance to put yourself in that mix i do really like the specific guys and the fit that we got on this particular team though so i i love where we are at obviously running back i think that we could have one of these teams that just you know runs roughshod over the league because of those guys and then when you have the elite qb play with justin fields on top of that you know, obviously we need Jamar Chase to stay healthy and to score in the lineup most weeks. We need that thesis on JSN to at least not be wildly off. If he doesn't mm -hmm. get to where I'm talking about it, he can still do fine for you. And then the mix of receivers we have there, really in the end, I think it's going to come down to, in part at least, the tight ends. How how comfortable, how confident are you in Fryer, Muth, and Komet? Both of those guys are kind of very mild targets for me, I usually select them after ADP because we're on the edge today and because <laughs> of the running back build early that took us out of really consideration for running back values. And that's one of the things to think about when you get very heavy on a position early is that then the rest of the way, if the best ADP values and including guys who would be rankings targets for you are at that position later, then you've, you've hurt yourself in terms of being able to grab those values. So we took, take two tight ends here above ADP instead of how I usually do it below ADP, but I do like them. I mentioned on the show before that Blair Andrews has a great piece uh, talking about Cole Komet as a potential breakout guy. I think that when we look at the enthusiasm around the Bears offense, which obviously, you know, you get the couple of fluky touchdowns this last week, and I'm immediately getting emails from game providers saying, Justin Fields is on the move. I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, but I mean, Komet should be getting more of that enthusiasm to filter onto him than he has been. I'm not saying that he's going to be some great pick, but he works nicely here. Tight ends would really be my question, though. Do we have enough? You know, is the the Hunter Henry pass going to be the thing that we look back on and say that's what we should have done differently? Yeah, no, I I feel very good about a Pat Fryermuth Cole Komet uh, anchored tight end team, and I will recap here the full team uh, for the audio listeners. If you guys are listening on the Rotoviz airwaves, uh, we stream these drafts on my YouTube channel, YouTube.com. Peter Overzet every Wednesday. Uh, this is the team: Justin Fields and Mac Jones at quarterback, uh, running back Jonathan Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson, Javante Williams, James Cook, Kenneth Gainwell, wide receivers Jamar Chase, JSN, Jamison Williams, Romeo Dobbs, Jacoby Myers, Curtis Samuel, Devon. Parker, Wandale Robinson, Chase Claypool, and then tight ends, Fryermuth and Cole Komet. One other thing I wanted to ask you about this team, generally, when I think of like hyper-fragile builds or robust running back builds where I'm getting three to four guys as early as we did, I'm often thinking of like, who is the, if I am adding a fifth running back, who is the guy that can realistically end up in that starting lineup and score over JT and Ramondre and guys like Javante Williams and Rashad Penny often check those boxes. Maybe a guy like Tajay Spears, who's purely contingent, but could have a really big role. I don't generally think of a back like Kenneth Gainwell as the type of fifth running back in an early running back build. How were you thinking about him 
in this context or was this more of just like, Hey, I want to get this exposure before he really shoots up a little bit that, and a little bit very specifically that I didn't feel there were any good picks there. As we kind of discuss this, can we look at the board and see yeah. what our detours might've been or our other selections? But I guess maybe I think Gainwell actually fits that better. I actually think he's kind of fun when you have those other guys because if Gainwell hits, I could see him hitting in a big way, especially on a weekly basis where maybe he does end up with you know, some of these red zone, very high touch roles to where, especially in that Eagles offense, you're looking at all three of Swift and Gainwell and Penny. I guess I just have a really hard time seeing a scenario where Swift and Penny don't factor in if they're healthy, but because the Eagles are going to score so many points and because those touchdowns could be bunched in interesting ways as you move through the season, that from a weekly perspective, somebody who could get in the lineup over our four guys, I think Gainwell could be that. I think that's almost what he maybe does for you unless the, just the massive home run thesis hits and it becomes like this workhorse for the Eagles. I agree with you on Spears. I, I mean, my exposure to Spears, I think it's now the highest of any player. And so, wow, there you go. You know, it's tough because I mean, the thing I want most is for Derrick Henry and every player to stay healthy. If we do get some run from Spears, he's going to score some serious points. Uh, You guys need to be uh, subscribed over to Rotoviz. Sean just had another article that dropped this morning, looking at specifically the Ramondre Stevenson in Brees Hall prices, post Alvin Cook, post Zeke, all kinds of articles coming uh, from Sean, including the zero RB countdown list, which I envision we'll be getting here shortly. And also, like we've mentioned earlier, if you guys want to watch Sean and I draft again, uh, not on underdog, we're going to be doing an FFPC main event high stakes league tomorrow night on chasing that's going to be a slightly later start a 10 p.m draft we're going to do a double header i'm going to have randomizer uh with rotopat from roto world that's going to be on at eight and then at 10 p.m we're going to hop over to ship chasing where pat gretch sean and i are going to draft a team with a million dollar top prize that we're going to be chasing and uh we'll see if we find ourselves in a wide receiver avalanche over there as well sean anything else people need to keep a lookout for on rotoviz in the coming days Well, we're going to have a lot of content, but I I did want to mention that I had part one of this Dynasty Workshop series that specifically looks at startup tactics and strategy. It came out, maybe this is just very personal and doesn't actually apply globally, but for me, it was probably one of my 10 favorite articles that I've written in the last decade. And so that part and then part two is going to come out in the next couple of days and it's going to look at trades and how you make those work, how it fits into your startup tactics. Maybe I mentioned it last week, but going forward now, we have two 2024 firsts, six seconds, five thirds. We have a multiple picks in every other round as well. If, if you're interested in how you could accomplish that or what it would do for you, you know that's going to be there. And Pete, before we go, I did want to just mention how much I appreciate you and the best ball banana stand community here and one of the things for that you're always so gracious and uh mentioned rotaviz as you know the best value out there or one of the best and i wanted to make it a little bit better for our listeners and viewers here uh dave came put together a coupon code for me that's specific for the show which is uh banana stand and it'll give you ten dollars off the one-year subscription so banana stand one word if you're wanting to get over there and check some of our stuff out that'll make it an even better value. 
Awesome. I'll be sure to add that to the show notes too, so that you guys know that. Um, I, I promise you, you'll get your value returned uh, immediately with that. Use promo code Banana Stand, and you know uh, you can go back in the archives too. A lot of the best ball workshop, uh, you know, concepts that Sean has written about are still very much applicable. So go get on Rotoviz, and then you will be uh, very happy with the stream of content coming down the home stretch here. Appreciate all of you guys. Um, we are getting so close to 15 K subs. If I'm doing my math, right, 179 more subs away. So if you guys are new to the channel or maybe listening in the audio version, would love you to come over to YouTube over here, hit that subscribe button because I am doing a giveaway. When we hit 15,000 subs, I'm going to do a $1,500 giveaway, getting all that symmetry, 150 stream drafts, 15 K subs, $1,500 in giveaways. All you need to do is leave a comment on any of my draft streams. This was draft number 123. Can't believe how many of these are already in the book. So plenty of chances to enter that giveaway. But when we hit 15K subs, the giveaway will lock and I will do the drawing shortly after that. I will be back later tonight, like I said, for uh, a draft on ship chasing. We're doing a single entry draft over on NFC. I'll be over on Swolecast today. Jack Settleman is joining us for that and then a big day tomorrow of drafting as well so all kinds of good stuff here around the channel thank you so much to sean thank you to rotaviz thank you to you guys in the chat always bringing the heat we'll see you guys next wednesday 